mean, when he was drinking and he was angry, he was very volatile. And some of my best and worst memories come from my dad as growing up. What did Patty try to fill that void with before you came to Christ? Alcohol, men, um, doing crazy things that I look back at now and I just think, oh my goodness. I basically got up every morning, went to work every day, and came home every night and drank until I passed out. And I remember looking in the mirror one day and saying, I don't like you. And I remember saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. Have you ever woke up in the morning and looked at yourself in the mirror and said something like, I don't like you? Why did you do the things that you did? Why did you say the things that you said? Why do you keep making the same mistakes over and over again? You tell yourself you need to change your life or something really bad is going to happen. Maybe something bad has already happened. How did you respond to yourself? Did you make a change? How does a person change the direction of their life? How does a person let go of their hurtful past and walk in a new path, a new direction with a new perspective? These are the topics that I want to discuss with our guest today. I'm Eric Hutchinson, and this is the If Nothing Changes podcast. So, hey, friend, why don't you introduce yourself and let the listeners know who you are? Hello, I am a grateful believer and follower of Jesus Christ. I am an alcoholic who's in recovery, and I struggle with codependency and low self-worth and the fear of not being wanted or loved. Uh, My name's Patty. Hey, Patty. Well, thank you so much for coming today, and I'm so glad to have you here and to see your face. And so uh, the listeners don't know your story. I know a little bit of your story, but I'm really excited to for them to hear your story. So why don't you start off and tell us kind of where it all began. Where did you grow up? And tell us a little bit about your family. Well, I was born in um, 1951 in Tucson, Arizona, and I am the youngest of three. My brothers are 18 and a half months older than I am, and they're identical twins. So it was kind of an exciting thing growing up with two brothers who were so much alike. Yeah. So uh, were you close to your brothers or not so much? I think we fought a lot. I used to put them one against the other. Um They'd get in trouble, I'd be the instigator, and they'd be the ones that would get in trouble. So (laughs) being the youngest, I really got away with a lot that I probably shouldn't have. So did you have a traditional family where you had a mom and dad in the household? We did. Um, Unfortunately, my dad was an alcoholic, and my mom was a school teacher, and she was the one that held the family together. So did your dad, was the alcoholism, was it uh, pretty prevalent? Did you guys witness that or did they kind of keep it secret? No, it was out there in front. I mean, when he was drinking and he was angry, he was very volatile. And some of my best and worst memories come from my dad as growing up. Was he abusive physically with your mom or with the, with you and your brothers or not? He never hit anybody, but it was mostly verbal and threatening and that sort of thing. So did you take on any of that when a lot of kids will see that in their family and they take that as like, that's my fault. I did something. Did you feel that way or how did you feel about, you know, the fights and, and the things that you witnessed? Well, I didn't feel so bad about the fights and the things I witnessed until my folks divorced when I was 11. And then it was, what did I do wrong? How could I have stopped this from happening as an 11 year old? 
And I really had a tough time trying to rationalize that because they divorced and he left. And I was like, oh my, now what? So did he totally leave? I mean, when he left, did he leave the state? I mean, did you lose all communication with him or did he try to stay a part of your life? Well, I was 11, um, had just turned 11 in May. And when the divorce came through, it was like June, early June. um, And mom actually put him on an airplane and sent him from Arizona to Arkansas to his only sister with a note that said, I have three children to take care of. I can no longer take care of Lawrence as well. He is now your problem. He is your brother. I have to look out for my kids. So what did, uh, what did Patty think about herself? Um, did your parents' divorce impact your identity at all? Now, you're 11, so you're entering almost adolescence at that point. What did Patty think about herself whenever you were in school and, you know, of uh, other people? Uh, what did Patty think about her? What was your identity at that point? Well, school was really hard because I didn't fit in. I was kind of like the wallflower. I wasn't active in sports because I was rather clumsy. I wasn't popular. Um, Into junior high, I was just trying to make friends and figure out who I was. I got into high school, and my older brother, Michael, had um, met up with a bunch of guys from the football team at the high school, and he very soon became the trainer for one of the trainers for the high school football team, And I kind of became known as Mike's little sister. Didn't have a name, just Mike's little sister. So was that in high school then? That was high school. Okay. So did you have any dating relationships in high school, or did you pretty much stay to yourself? Um, I wasn't popular. I wasn't pretty. Um, I did meet a, a young man when I was 17 at the roller skating rink, and um, that was my first real relationship. And it didn't go well. Um, He was very controlling, very possessive. And I didn't see any of these things until much after we were no longer together. And after being with him for three years, I found out that the entire time we were together, he had been married to someone else. And I only found that out after he had been transferred. He was in the Navy, stationed at Balboa Island. And he was transferred to Okinawa, and my brother Michael, who was then in the Marine Corps, his ship had stopped there, and he tried to look him up, and we figured out and found out that he'd been married the entire time we had dated. And I just really kind of felt like, how did this happen? What in the world is going on? So did you and him talk about getting married and we all did. Of that stuff? We did. The plan was that eventually when I wanted up my college education, I knew from my experiences as a child, my mom had an education because she was a school teacher. And that was what I was hoping to be eventually. And so we had talked about I would finish school, he would continue in the Navy and do what he needed to do, but that when I graduated from college, that we would get married. Okay. So did you still go to college then after that? I did. I finished the first two years of college and got my, uh, my AA in, in um, business. And then I thought, you know what? 
I need a little time to figure out what I'm doing. And then I took the next two years off and then I went back to school and started working towards a elementary education degree and uh, moved around in that time. After I had broken up with a young man that I had been dating, there were a lot of men in my life, um, a lot of bad choices, but I kept moving. Um, finally ended up in um, Riverside, California and went to school there for one year and then transferred over to Fullerton, California, where I went to Cal State Fullerton and finished up my degree in 1976. Okay. So let me push the pause button real quickly. I want to go back to your childhood and ask you this question. Was So I know you from church, and I know that you are a believer in Jesus Christ now. Was that a part of your childhood at all? Did your Was your mom a Christian? Did you, were you involved in church at all? So why don't you tell me a little bit, did you have any God moments as a child? From my earliest memories, mom took us to church. She wanted us to have some sort of faith. And when we, the, after the divorce, when we moved, um, we were at a Southern Baptist church in Arizona, and it was preached, hell, fire, brimstone. You've got to accept Jesus or you're going to go to burn in hell. And fire was always something that I was terrified of. Still am. And because of that, there were many days when I walked the aisle and just, you know, laid on the altar and bawled because I wanted this thing called Jesus that would assure me that I wouldn't burn in hell. So fear was the motivation. Fear, fear was a total motivation. Never, never was told that along with accepting him, there was an obligation, so to speak, on my part to have a relationship. And I never had that relationship as a kid. I never had it through high school. And that's why before I got out of high school with the relationship that I was in, I looked at this and I went, you know what? God's not doing anything for me. Why do I stay? I saw hypocrites who were just as crazy as I was during the week, but on Sunday they looked so proud and pious and sat up like, oh, gee, I'm the best person in the world. And I looked at them as hypocrites because they weren't living and walking the same life every day. And I said, you know what, if that's what Christianity is all about, I'm out of here because that's not who I am and that's not what I want in my life. Sounds like religion. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's go back forward to Fullerton, California. So you graduated. Graduated. um, Went back down to Southern California into um, Escondido, where my mom lived. Stayed there for a couple of years um, and lived the total party life. Got up every morning, went to work every day, got off work and partied all weekend, partied sometimes during the week. um, And... Because I'd been in Orange County, I was back and forth between. I was like 70 miles from home up there, and I'd go up every weekend to gather with friends, and we would all meet at a country western bar that had Sunday afternoon dancing. And I spent a lot of time there with those friends. So let me ask you this question, because you are the adult child of an alcoholic. So whenever you started that party life, or when you started that, did you say, hmm, this, my dad was kind of uh, into this, or did you even make that correlation or that connection? Did you even think that that was a possibility that that could happen to you? That would be sometime later before I would even, I mean, to me, it was just the way to live. Right. And I never thought about it. And it would be several years later when I would 
think about that and realize that I had become the nightmare that my mother had tried to save me from. So what happened next then? You're, uh, you're there and you're doing living the party life. You're doing kind of living for yourself a little bit. Right, where were you working during this time? Well, I was actually working in um, Escondido, California. I was working for a vitamin company, um, traveling up every weekend, driving back on wee hours of early Sunday morning to be at work on Monday. Um, and just really, you know, I had my education done. I didn't know what I was going to do next. It was like whatever entry-level job I could find. Yeah. Did you have any dating relationships at that age? You've got to be in your 20s, right, at that point? By this, I'm or late 20s. Yeah. Um, I didn't really date, per se. I'd meet people and go out. And I mean, it was those things of where it was a month here or two months there or three months there. Um, and I was looking for love. I was looking for what I had missed as a child in a male-female relationship and not knowing how to find what my heart desired. Yeah. So what was your, so we talked a little bit earlier about identity inside of stuff. At this point, you're a young adult. You're in your 20s. You're kind of living a party life. People on the outside are seeing Patty. She's got it all together. What's going on in the inside of Patty in that time? I think I was really just lost. I was looking for something I didn't have to fulfill me. Um, I hadn't been in church since I was 18, so I'd been gone for over 10 years. Um, Didn't didn't even think about it. I mean, I would go for Christmas and I'd be there for Easter and that was about it. Right. And I just wasn't, I wasn't seeking any kind of a relationship with God or anything to do with religion. So we talk about that Christ void in our lives or that vacuum that, you know, there's a, there's a emptiness there that we try to fill and nothing seems to satisfy that. What did Patty try to fill that void with before you came to Christ? Alcohol, men, um, doing crazy things that I look back at now and I just think, oh my goodness. So what happened next? You worked for the vitamin company for how long? Worked for the vitamin company. Um, I was there for about a year and a half. Um, Meanwhile, driving up to the Anaheim area in California every weekend to party and getting together with all my friends and meeting men up there who a lot of them were unreliable. I'd see them, they'd say they'd be there, they wouldn't show up. Um, And that's when I met a man named Bob. And Bob was this handsome little cowboy. And um, we got to be friends. At that point, we were actually seeing other people. He was actually um, with a young woman. I was dating a guy that would come and show up on Sunday, and that was our whole relationship. And over the course of several months, we kind of got to know each other. Um, We'd dance, we'd talk. um, And because we were actually seeing other people, that was the entire relationship. But we, we got to see that we had a lot of things in common. So did you have any trauma from your previous, that three-year relationship from when you were in high school, young adult, and then finding out that he was actually married? Did you have any trust issues with Bob, or did you feel confident in that? Trust has always been a really tough thing in my life. Um, I just didn't, I didn't trust men. I didn't trust women. Um, my female friends were few and far between. Um, I wanted something more than what I had and didn't quite know what that was or even how to find it. Hmm. So how long did you date Bob? 
Well, that's a whole big long story. We will actually celebrate 40 years of marriage in November of this year. So you got married. We got married. We dated um, through the course of everything that first year that we got to know each other. Um, He'd gone away for Thanksgiving to visit his grandparents, came back to find out that the young woman that he was dating had moved on. The same weekend, the guy that I had been seeing didn't bother to show up. So we kind of meshed together and just started dating. And by New Year's Eve, we were a couple. So did you date for like a year or so and then get married? Or how long was it before you got married? Um, Our first date was New Year's Eve. We were engaged in March and we were married in November. Oh, wow. So a pretty quick uh, engagement. About 15 months from the time we really started getting to know each other until we got married. It just felt right. It was like God had said, okay, you two belong together, so this is what we're going to do. So always my next question is, is, you know, you got married I, late 20s, early I 30s? Was, I had just turned 32, Okay, and Bob was just 30. How long did the honeymoon last, and did you bring in... Uh, any of that old baggage from, you know, you mentioned some of the things, the way you felt about yourself, the trust issues and all those things. Did you bring that into your marriage and how did that impact Bob? Um, trust was a really big issue for me. Um, and looking, as I look back on our families of origin, um, today I can see where his folks married and Dad died after they had their 65th wedding anniversary. But he had an older sister and a younger sister. Me having two brothers, so we kind of that was kind of similar for both of us. Um, but as I look back at it now, I look at we made the decision when we decided to get married that it was going to be forever. We made the decision before we ever said I do that it's going to be hard, and there are going to be times when we're going to want to just say, you know what, I'm done. We made the decision then that that was not going to happen. That whatever the issues were, we would work through them, whatever it took. It's not been easy. It's been really hard at times. Um, We've raised three kids who are now 33, 35, and 37. And um, there were a lot of times when I just didn't feel important to him. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this question. So you mentioned that, you know, you kind of lived the party life. Alcohol was a part of your life. So whenever you... uh, got married to Bob, was there, uh, did the alcohol follow you into the marriage and did it ever become a problem in the marriage with Bob or not? Um, we were still in California and, um, I, my mom died in 1998 and my mom had been my rock. Um, she was my best friend. We did vacations together before I got married. We went and did things together. Um, for the last nine years of her life, she lived in our home because she had really bad health issues. And when she died, I just kind of fell off. Um, I started drinking every day again, which I hadn't done since the kids had been born. Um, I basically got up every morning, went to work every day, and came home every night and drank until I passed out. Wow. Took care of my kids, made sure they had dinner, made sure all my chores at home were done, and then just drank until there was no tomorrow and got up and did it every day. And I did that from February of 1998 when she died until early in um, 2000. 
I was at a ladies' conference that was all about getting real with myself and God. And that was at that conference the first time that I ever admitted that I was an alcoholic. And it was very, very hard. It took me back to a place where I had grown up on the beach with the same beach that I had gone to as a child and as a young adult. And it really made me stop and think about who I am and what I'm doing. And I remember looking in the mirror one day and saying, I don't like you. We're going to change this. And I remember saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I need your help. And that was probably somewhere between 2000 and early in 2002. And I made the decision that I was going to quit drinking. And I did it one day at a time. I drank less. I drank less often. Um, and in early 2003, I found that the little church that I was attending was starting a Celebrate Recovery program. And I said, this is the answer. This is where God has been leading, leading me to. This is what's going to help me figure out why, why I do the things I do and who I am. And it has. Um, it was really hard. I mean, there were times there when I really thought that we weren't going to make it through it. So how did you make it through it? Only with the help of God. Mm. God intervened. He really did. I The day that I said, I can't do this by myself anymore, God, I need your help. Mm-hmm. So, I turned everything I had over to him, knowing that if he's the father that really loves me, that only wants what's best for me, he's going to help me walk through all this. And he did. Um, I think that was when I really realized after 2000 that I had become that nightmare that my mom tried to, to keep us from. And I, although it was too late to raise my kids in any other way. Um, I wanted them to know that the way I had been living wasn't what I wanted for them. Did you have all your kids in California? When did you make the transition to Northwest Arkansas? Well, we moved here 19 years ago. We moved here in um, 2004, right after my father-in-law passed away. They had been here for many years, since the early 80s. Um, They had retired here. They originally came from Iowa. We're a big farm family, both of them, and had been through northwest Arkansas going somewhere further south, fell in love with the Springdale area, and had moved here, settled here, and got got their home here. Um, When Dad died, Mom refused to leave. I mean, my mother-in-law said, I've lived in this house longer than I've lived anywhere my entire life. I'm not going anywhere. And we were at a point where we could move easily. Our daughter was graduating from high school. The boys were 14 and 16. Bob had been working a temporary position, so that was going to end. And I was working in accounting, doing accounts payable and that sort of thing, and I could take that anywhere. And so you came to Northwest Arkansas and lived happily ever after. No more problems, right? Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say that. It's it's been a challenge. There's been a lot of things going on. Um, we we both got good jobs. We both were happy in our jobs, but um, we found a church that we wanted to be at in Fayetteville, and was were there. We actually stayed there for 16 years that we were here. Um, but there were still 
underlying things from our past for both of us. For me, it was still trust issues. For him, it was, I think he was trying, just trying to be the man that his father had looked on him as. And so, yeah, there were challenges. There were money problems. There were challenges. Um, but we resolved all, most of those things. I mean, when the, an issue came up, we'd talk about it. We'd go from there and go forward. So how did your trust issues manifest themselves? I mean, was it one of those things that you were always calling and asking him where he was or did it, I mean, wh where was the trust issues? How did that manifest itself in your, in your marriage, in your life? It wasn't trying to figure out where he was and what it was doing. It was, is he going to take care of me? Is he going to be here for me? Um, what is the future going to look like and what would it look like without him? Mm. And so it was, it was really, really hard. I always thought that he didn't care. I mean, he married me. He stayed with me for all these years. Um, but does he really care about me? Does he really love me? And he really kind of proved that to me in 2016 when I got so sick and had to have a liver transplant. Mm. And he was there. I mean, he was there all the time. I was in Little Rock for three months he was living up here. He was driving down on Friday, staying through the weekend, driving back up on Monday and working three days a week to be with me as I went through that liver transplant process. Wow. So you've been married for 40? Be 40 years in November. 40 years in November. That's fantastic. Congratulations on that. If you could just say, hey, this was the most difficult struggle that Bob and I went through, what would that be? That's a good question. There have been so many of them. I think it has to do with that trust issues again, because I always wanted to feel like I was the most important person in his life. And that really didn't show itself until 2017 when I was so sick. And he was so devoted to being there for me and being there with me. And through all of this, he had actually started going to church when we were in California before we came. And when we got here, we got established. And he really dug into the Word and into what God had to say. Um, I think the thing that, that really impressed me the most was when I got home from the hospital finally after my transplant he had taken an offering envelope at church one Sunday morning, and on the back of it, he just wrote mustard seed. And to me, that said that his faith, even though it was as small as a mustard seed, that everything was going to be okay. And that, just, I mean, my heart still, just to think about that. And I think even today, I have that offering envelope tucked away somewhere. Because for me, that was him saying, everything's going to be okay. I tapped it on the refrigerator, and he looked at me, and he said, yeah, that's it. So whenever you moved here to Northwest Arkansas, did you look for a Celebrate Recovery, or how did you get uh, involved here? I looked in California when I was there. I went on their website. I looked all over here in Northwest Arkansas saying, okay, I know I can't do this on my own. I know I don't have this all figured out. I'm just beginning to figure out who I am and how I got to be this person that I am today, and I'm going to need help. And so I looked on the, on the website for Celebrate Recovery, and I found Fellowship um, Bible Church in Rogers, 
And it was at the time the only celebrate recovery program in Northwest Arkansas. So what have you learned the most from Celebrate Recovery? If you could tell one person what recovery means to you and how it changed your life, what would you say? God loves me. God loves me. He is that father that I never had as a kid. Mm. And he only wants what's good for me, and he's going to be there for me. And I had to learn to lean on him and learn who he was, to have the relationship that I never had growing up that nobody talked about, to know him, to actually really know who God was. And I only got that from reading the Bible and studying and learning who God was. So tell me what led up to the conversation that you had with God about, because you told me before that you said, I just want one person to help. So tell me that. I joined Celebrate Recovery and was growing and was learning and was happy with who I was becoming. Um, And I could see people going on mission trips. And I kept thinking, gee, you know, I'd really love to go on a mission trip sometime, you know? And... I kept looking around, I kept thinking how, I mean, you know, we weren't, we're not rich, we're not even wealthy, but I kept thinking, how would I ever afford to be able to do that? But in the process of thinking that, I kept putting myself into other women's lives, telling them about what God had done for me, telling them who I used to be and who I am today and believing that I would not be here had it not been for God. And I kept thinking, you know what? If I could just make a difference in one person's life, just one, I've done what God has asked me to do. And I can look around me today and I can see the women who've been impacted by what God has done through me and for me. What would you tell that person that says, hey, I don't think that God loves me because my father didn't love me? I can't come up with exact words, but I would tell them my story. I would tell them my alcoholic father who terrified me as a child and how I had to, as I grew up and matured, I had to find the father that did love me. And that's what God's word tells me is that I have a father that loves me, that only wants what's good for me, that's always going to be there for me. All I have to do is rely on him. All I have to do is say, God, just I'm going to follow your will. I'm going to give you my life. Show me. Show me who you are. And he's gotten me to where I am. Amen. So let me ask you one last question. So if uh, we have a lot of listeners and comes from different parts of their life. So uh, what would you tell a person who says, I don't have any hope? Uh, I don't think I have any purpose in my life. What would you tell that person who's listening? I would say don't quit before your miracle happens. Because I know that God has a miracle, big or small, for each and every one of us. And I know I didn't give up. I kept searching. I kept seeking something that would fill the void in my life. And for me, and hopefully for a lot of other people, that void is God. And that's what I live with is that hope that he's always going to be there. He's going to be the person that's not going to abandon me because I felt a lot of those issues as a kid and even as an adult, and I know that he will not abandon me. There's always hope, and I'm always looking for that next miracle. Thanks, Patty, for sharing your story with us. 
Hey, if you are listening today and your past keeps haunting you, maybe you can't shake the trauma from your childhood. Maybe you have made some bad choices and you are ready to go in a different direction. God loves you and is waiting for you to give him access to every area of your life. I'm not saying that it will be easy, but I am saying it will be worth it. Change is possible, but if nothing changes, nothing changes. See you next time.